0: Happy uh New Year's Eve to everyone. Hello. Uh so today marks the final day of 2023 and seen as tomorrow is the first day of 2024. That means that in the next 24 to 48 hours, that's when everybody's going to be making their New Year's Eve resolutions, their New Year's resolutions. So by a show of hands, how many of you are going to make or have already made a New Year's resolution? Okay, by a show of hands. Okay. Now the other side, how many of you are choosing not to make a New Year's resolution? Oh, that's way, way more on that. You all have stories to tell, don't you? Okay, I see. I see. That's fine. Um, So I want everybody to take a moment and try and guess what are the top New Year's resolutions. Okay, so there's projected New Year's resolutions. Take a moment. We'll see if you guess them correctly. So just a few seconds to think what are the top New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Oh, so you have to consult your neighbor about it. Okay. (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) Okay. Do y'all want to guess? Does anybody want to guess? Lose weight. Eat healthy. Save. Something about finances. Money. Yes. It'd be nice. Yes. Always more money. Anything else? Uh, Off social media. Hey. Okay. Okay. What is it? Go to the gym. Okay, I'm going to read you the list. So here we go. According to the Forbes Health poll that surveyed 1,000 U.S. adults, the top New Year's resolutions for 2024 are this. So the top three are improved health, improved finances, and improved mental health. And then the list continues. So the fourth was weight loss, and the fifth was improved diet. And then there's more things. So make more time for loved ones. Stop smoking. Stop smoking learn a new skill, make more time for hobbies, improve work-life balance. Now, these resolutions have been the normal ones for the past studies. The order has just changed based on where we're at in culture and society. So if you guessed any of them, you were technically correct. Okay, so hey, good for you. You know what's going on. Now, I won't read all of the statistics, um, but on the norm, resolutions last two to three months with many of them ending within days. So does this point to people's lack of self-discipline? I'd say yes, it does. Yes, that's where you nod. Yes, it does. Um, often we are not disciplined people. So I, I'm, I've i been praying and I pray today that a lot of that will change for all of us. Okay, this is a collective group effort today that we're going to be more disciplined. Now, regardless of whether you are for or against New Year's resolutions, I do know that at the end of one year going into a new year, uh, many people become quite reflective on what has happened and what's to come. I remember when I was a teacher, so students at the very first day of the new year, they had to make goals. And they had to make them in all their classes. Poor kids. Sorry about that, you guys. We're like, goals, they're important. Um, But it really made me start thinking, what is a new year's resolution? Why do people make them? So the formal definition is a promise to do something differently in the new year. A resolution is a solution to a problem. It's a solution to a problem. It's actually in the name, the resolution. It's the act of resolving. It's answering or solving something a solution to a problem. So if we go back to the list, the top resolution was improved health, whatever that means, okay, improved health. Now someone identifies a health issue and creates a solution to that problem. Now the only thing is, is what I observed as I continued to do research is that the resolutions are not always specific, they're not always measurable, and they are not always achievable. And quite often, I mean, this this study gave a huge list, they have nothing to do with a person's spiritual state. So today I want us to to remember that we have a lot of problems, which I guess you don't have to remember that. You know, you have a lot, you know, there's problems, Um, but we have to also remember that we have a solution. So I could give you a very long list of all the problems. We could start very, very grand and say that our problem is Satan. Our problem is sin. Our problem is the fallen and broken world. I could also get very specific with you and say your problem is lack of self-discipline or disobedience or hate. And then I could go even more specific to your situation and I could say that your problem is financial troubles. It's a relationship issue. It's poor health and you can fill in the blank with whatever problem that you currently have, but too often don't we fixate on the problem rather than look at the solution? And if we do seek a solution, some of us are trying to better ourselves, if we do seek a solution, isn't it often man-made? So there is a solution, there is the solution, and it doesn't involve another membership to the gym, it doesn't involve more sleep, although I am a big proponent of more sleep. It doesn't involve a seven step plan to survive another season with your coworkers. The solution, the solution to any problem is God's word. It's God's word, it's the Bible, the scriptures, it is the gospel. And I will boldly say today that I am not looking to the solution the way that I should. And you're not reading the Bible the way that you should be. We're going to look at Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And a little bit of context before I read it. This is right, uh, right before this, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. So let's look at Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he, Jesus, was hungry. And the tempter, Satan, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, where Moses speaks to the people of Israel, calling them to remember, remember and obey their Lord, their God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we know that no human can survive without proper nourishment that comes from food. Now, yes, many people have been able to fast for extended periods of time and others can live in extreme starvation situations, but there comes a point where the body can no longer function as it is intended to without food. Food is essential. And we often joke about people being hangry, but there is a truth to that. You don't function correctly. Your brain's not as sharp as it needs to be. Your body's is not as sharp as it needs to be if you are not eating food. So in this passage, Jesus speaks to something just as essential for our existence. Every word of God. Every word of God. Jesus places great importance on God's word that you cannot live well without it. So we'll take a moment and I'll ask you this question. Have you been reading the Bible? Have you been reading the Bible? Are you reading the Bible as if it was just as important and really even more important than food? the Bible is the source of truth. The Bible is the source of truth, revealing the details of creation, God's unwavering devotion, and the path to redemption. So these 66 books composed by some 40 writers has one author, God. And it is accurate and it is reliable. God has revealed to us who He is, um, who we are in the scriptures. We know His character. We know His love. We know what we're made for. We know how to live and to treat others. And the scriptures tell us every word of God proves true. The words of the Lord are pure words. So I want to look closely at Psalm 19, 7 through 11. This is what David said about God's word. And you'll notice um, the contrast here, uh, the comparison. So starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. In this psalm, we see six names or synonyms given for the Bible. The law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear, which can also be seen as reverence and rules. All of these are of the Lord, and David gives us seven adjectives to describe the Bible. The Bible is perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, it's true, and it's righteous, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it is. The Bible is truth, so we know that the scriptures inspired by God remain relevant today and will endure forever. I'm telling you, we can rely on every word in the Bible. It's complete. There are no mistakes. We can place all of our hope in what it says about God, what it says about man, and what it says about sin. It's definitive. It's authoritative. There are also, not only are there internal factors that showcase its validity, but there's external factors. There's no discrepancies. There were eyewitness accounts. We even have historical records that showcase the truths of the Bible. And Peter, one of Jesus's closest disciples, said this, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone else's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible still stands as the best-selling book of all time. It's still in circulation, printed in hundreds of languages, and it's more easily accessible than it ever has been before due to the internet, due to mobile devices, despite there being numerous campaigns to make it illegal to read or attempts to fully destroy it. And Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We know it's true. We know we can trust every word, so why should we be reading it? Reading it more than we ever have before. Because the Bible provides us with instructions and guidance for how to conduct ourselves, which I need that, guidance for how to conduct ourselves and navigate situations in life. So truthfully, does your behavior need to improve? Do you need to show more love? Do your words need to be sweet and not so poisonous? Do your thoughts need to get flushed down the toilet? Do those actions that you do in secret need to stop immediately? Do you need to know how to navigate the hardest days of your life? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture All scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Is your life miserable? Are you anxious? Are you stressed? Are you worried, broken, in pain? Are you participating in sinful acts? I know that your pain has a remedy and I know that your brokenness has a cure and I know that your confusion has a solution. When we open the Bible and read it with a desire to learn and grow, we will. If we listen to the truths shown in the word, we will change. And I know I need to change. So the scriptures transform us. So it is vital that we read them on a regular basis. The scriptures transform us. So it's vital that we read them on a regular basis. And I know that many of you find great value in the word. Many of you believe it to be true, but you're not reading it on a regular basis. And it can't just be one or the other. It's a combination. You see the value of God's word And you read it and you apply it to our lives. There's no greater guidance than the Bible. No greater guidance has been given to us than how Jesus conquered sin and he offers us personal relationship. And the scriptures also teach us how to pray. I've needed that in my life in the last months. They teach us how to live in gratitude. They teach us how to love, how to overcome. I've needed that. How to spread the gospel and so much more. And I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen this in the life of others, how the Bible changes people. One of my dearest friends, now who's now my dearest friend, got married, and her husband had grown up in church, and her husband wanted to continue to go to church. Her husband wanted to serve the Lord, but she was not serving the Lord. And out of support for him, she continued to come to church until finally one day she, she asked me, she's like, I want to know what this God that my husband is talking about is all about. She's like, I don't wanna just come and like be a spectator of what's happening. And and if it's so meaningful to him, I wanna understand why it's so meaningful to him. And she said, what do I do? And my encouragement was to her was to read the Bible. If she had questions, the answers were in the Bible. And so we got together week after week after week and we read the scriptures. Uh, together, we read 25 books of the Bible. It was about after 12 books or so, that she came to me uh, one day, we're sitting at Panera, and she said, last night, I gave my life to Jesus. And she wanted to, she wanted to take her relationship with Jesus seriously. She wanted to understand, who is this God that I am giving my whole existence to? And he's, is he still going to accept me and love me if I don't, if I have unforgiveness? if I have hate, if I have concerns. And all of those truths were revealed to her page after page after page. Genuinely, she would go to the the scriptures when she had a question. And the day that she told me that she was able to give genuine forgiveness to to her brother, it was like God was doing more in me sometimes than he was doing in her because I was seeing the transformative power of the word of God. Romans 10:17 says like this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And Psalm 119:105 says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I need light for my feet. I need light for my path. Many of us have had very dark paths and we need the light of God. To, to help us as we, as we navigate this life. And so I know that a well-rounded relationship with God includes regular time spent reading the Bible. Not just coming to church, which is so necessary. Not just praying, which is so important. Not just listening to worship music in your car, which is encouraging. Not just hearing messages, which is educational not just being around others who serve God, which is helpful, but a well-rounded relationship with God includes regular time spent reading the Bible. Are you reading the Bible? I do want to point out that there's a difference between reading and applying, and there's a difference between reading and relationship. We first and foremost want relationship with Jesus, just knowing that we, just knowing something but not doing it is not going to work. And I think of a love letter. A love letter is only effective and meaningful if you are the intended reader and know the author. I can read someone else's love letter and fully understand the content of the letter, but I am not moved in the same way. You need to know the author to know the content. For those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, there are truths to be seen in the Bible. Open it with your questions, and they will be answered by our almighty God. If you don't know our Lord and Savior, he invites you to accept him and give your life to him. And for those of you that already know Jesus, there's more to learn. There's a lot more to learn. There's more closeness to be had. I think of when I became a high school teacher, I had to have a bachelor's degree, and I had to complete certification classes and exams. Well, many of you in your profession still have to do training, still have to complete professional development, and yet so many times we don't think we need training when it comes to being a Christ follower. We think we can just figure it out as we go along, and we don't utilize the best guidebook that we've ever been given. That's what we need the most instruction in. We need the most instruction in surrendering and serving God. We need help to navigate this life God's way. That's what I want to be most proficient in. That's what I want to excel at. So to illustrate the importance of reading the Bible, I'm going to tell you about my new favorite TV show, The Amazing Race. And on this show, there are several teams and there's two people per team and they race around the world trying to be the the last one standing. And as they go from different country, they have different competitions. Some of those competitions are physical in nature. Some of them are mental in nature. Sometimes they get to choose. Sometimes they don't. Well, I remember very clearly one of the competitions, the teams arrive to the location, to the checkpoint, to the to the roadblock, and one member of the team has to complete the task, and the other has to wait on the sidelines. And so they are given this large block, it was probably, large block of cement, and they're told, with all the tools that they have at the side, that they have to replicate the sculpture that's at the front of the balcony, and this is a very detailed sculpture It's a, like of a guy bending down. And I mean, it's got every detail of his hair, every detail of his toes. And every team that shows up to the competition looks at the block of cement and is like, this is impossible. But they're like living on adrenaline and they know that they have to move quickly because they don't want to be the last one to check in or their team is eliminated. So they're all attempting to to sculpt this masterpiece that even an artist, like a professional would take forever to do. So one of the teams shows up and it's the, the girl is the one that's going to tackle the cement block. And she looks at the block and like everybody else before her, she says, this is impossible. And I'm like thinking the same thing. I'm with you. This is impossible. I could never do this. And so they're, they're one of the last teams to show up. So there's, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of like, hope and, and they want to win the competition. And she keeps looking at the block and she's like, I can't do it. She's like, and she tells her partner, I'm not going to be able to do this. And he's like, you got this. It's okay. Like, just try, just just give it a go. And she's like, I can't. Like, why even try if I'm not going to be able to do it? There's no way. We're behind. Are you seeing what it looks like? And I'm supposed to make that with these, like, six little tools? And he's like, you got this. And she's trying to, like, calm herself down. But she's getting worked up and worked up, which don't we do that a lot of times? She's getting so worked up. She cannot see how this is possible possible and she's now in like the cloudy state right where you like nothing makes sense you're no longer rational you no longer have any logic to your to your your senses and we on the TV are screaming at her because we know something she does not know. You did not actually have to sculpt the sculpture from scratch. you just had to reveal the sculpture that was already within inside the cement. So very much like those kids' toys where they have to dig out the dinosaur bones, that's exactly what she had to do. And if she had just taken a moment to to calm herself, taking a moment to look around. She would have seen that everybody else's was already like halfway or almost fully revealed. She just would not start cracking at the cement. And it makes me think, are we ever cracking open the Bible? We do the exact same thing that this girl did. We look at our problem. Her problem was the block of cement. We say, impossible. And I'm gonna just try and find all these man-made ways to solve this problem, or I'm going to sulk, or I'm going to be stressed, or I'm going to be worried, or I'm going to phone a friend, or I'm going to do this, or this, or this, or this, and the logic just goes out the door, and now we're all confused, now we don't know what to do, now we're in panic because we have things that we have to do, we're trying to survive this life, and we're like, what do I do, what do I do, and if only she had just started cracking the cement, if only we were just cracking open the Bible, Paul Paul talks about running a race. He says, don't you know that all people who are in a race, they're running it, but only one is going to receive the prize. So why are we not running as to win? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable award, but we, an imperishable So, Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. If you want to run your amazing race well, it's going to put effort on your part. It's going to be cracking open the Bible. Do you want to run your race well? Do you want to be better? I hope so do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Do you want to overcome? Do you want to serve? Do you want to help others? Do you want to finally experience freedom in your life? It can only happen by putting in work. You have to put work in just like an athlete would. Your training is the Bible that's your playbook. And so many times we're just taking supplements instead of looking to the real solution. And it's time to stop doing that. It's time for many of you to just start reading the Bible. You, don't, you, you know that you don't know the stories that they share up here. You don't know when they're talking about something. And so I want you to start in Matthew. I suggest reading the ESV, the English Standard Version. No one expects you to already know all of the Bible, but you have to start. You have to start. And it's time for many of you who've been exposed to the Bible for years to study more deeply. To see the connections and cross-references. To put the words to memory and speak it in prayer and encouragement to other people. I know over and over again, one of the biggest things that God has convicted me of is being in his word more, to know it more, not so I can sound um, smart or literate while I speak in front of an audience, not so I can be quick to answer somebody's question, but for my personal relationship with him, for my personal well-being, for my purpose of bringing him glory and sharing the gospel with others. So you'll notice on the notes page that I've included QR codes to the YouVersion and the Bible Gateway app. These are my favorite when it comes to reading the Bible on my phone or on my computer or when I want to listen to it. But notice that I didn't give you apps to resources that show you Bible studies or videos or podcasts, which I think those are great. And those should be a part of your, your daily life. But I purposely want to challenge you to read the word. Read the word for yourself. Read it or listen to it. I was a high school English teacher. I know many of you don't want to read. You don't like to read. That's that's fine. That hurts my heart a little bit because I love to read. It's okay. But you need to read or listen. Pray before and after and let God's word teach and transform you. So I'll ask you, are you convinced that the Bible is a solution and should be read on a regular basis? So here's the question that I want us to reflect on for a few moments and this is this is calling you to be very honest with yourself. And this is calling you to have greater relationship with Jesus in 2024. Are you ready to read the Bible more? And with greater purpose than you ever have before. This applies to every single one of us. Whether we just found Jesus yesterday or we, we've we known him for 60 years. Are you ready to read the Bible more and with greater purpose than you ever have before? And if so, what is that going to look like in 2024? Which is tomorrow. What is that going to look like? So we're going to take just a moment of quiet here. For you to reflect, talk to Jesus about, are you ready to read the Bible with more purpose and greater amount than ever before? God, it sounds so simple, the answer, reading the Bible, but you know for so many of us in this room, it's so difficult. Reading the Bible is one of the last things that we look to, one of the last things that gets priority in our our daily life. God, it's so easy for us to focus on so many other things, on stress, on worry, on fear, on doubt. It's so easy for us to get clouded. Uh, it's so easy for us to just automatically turn to worship and prayer and another person, which you know is all good and you want us to do those things. But God, your word is just so valuable. It's so very important. God, it's the only thing that is teaching us, teaching us who you are, teaching us what what we're all about, teaching us why you made us, teaching us about forgiveness, redemption about our life, God. The words off the page help us to navigate every situation that we come in contact with. Will you give us a love, a desire for your word? God, will will this not be a resolution that lasts for a day, for a week, for a month? Will this be a habit that we have, that we are in your word? We're in your word more than we ever have been before that we're reading verse after verse to learn, to be changed, to be transformed. God, I believe that your word is true and I believe that it is meant to help us. God, may we be just drawn to every page. God, will you just illuminate every story, every person, every truth to us. God, I pray that when people in this room are struggling, When they're afraid, when they're in doubt, when they're in sin, God, that they will remember that your word is the source. Your word is the solution. Will they they go to that word no matter what is going on? And God, even in greatest moments of joy and of happiness, will they continue to seek your word? God, for it's not only for us, but so that we can be a light to others, that we can share your gospel, that we can serve, that we can be an ambassador for you. God, I thank you for your word, every single word on the page. I thank you that I can trust it where there's so many other things that I cannot trust. God, you know that there are so many difficulties that we have in this life. So we need you. I acknowledge that. I need you, God. And I thank you that you've given me tools. You've given me guides. You've given me a manual. So that I can live this life with purpose. I can live this life in surrender and obedience to you, God. I just thank you, Lord. Help us today, God. Thank you for for the gospel. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name.